man, excited, excited about being here today and sharing his word with you. Um, this first service this morning, I really believe um, God was honored in it and the worship and the message and I just, uh, to all to his glory, uh, I'm thankful for him today. I'm going to invite you uh, to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 once again. I, um, I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord as we go through this year, also as He leads to follow along with our reading plan. And so we've actually moved on past James in our reading plan, but I really felt led to finish up with this message before we move on any further on Sunday mornings. And I do believe that there is a connection between where we're at today uh, in our text this morning, James chapter 1, verses 21 through 27, and naturally, uh, as the Word of God would connect uh, with Galatians, the first five chapters, uh, or the, the five chapters there in Galatians that we had to read. And um, so, I want to take James uh, chapter 1, read for you verses 21 through 27, and talk just a little bit about being blessed in what you do. Being blessed and what you do. And so, uh, chapter 1, verse 21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And then he says in verse 27, a verse that is quoted a lot, or at least part of it is. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble. And, and often that's where I have and many of us will quote and then stop. But it actually goes on to say, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So let, let me read that verse in its entirety again before we pray. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Father, today I simply ask God that you would take your word, impact our lives in such a way, God, that it's without question that we have heard from you. Nothing that I can say of my own accord, nothing that I can conjure up could ever be valued to change the lives of people, the hearts of men's, men, women, boys, and girls, like your word. There have been many, many people that have written eloquent speeches, that have the ability to uh, speak as great orators, that are talented when it comes to motivating the human heart. But God, nobody can say that they have ever changed the human heart but you. And today, God, I'm asking you to continue to do a work in our hearts that radically changes us for eternity's purpose in Christ's name. Amen. Blessed in what you do. Notice in our text, verse 25, he says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, This one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he does. Uh, that word blessed, uh, in the Greek it's often translated as blessed. Which uh, it means to uh, be fortunate, happy, enlarged, or lengthy. And the New Testament, to define the kind of happiness that comes from receiving favor from God, consequently, the word can also be translated favored. 
In the New Testament, it usually carries the meaning of being blessed by God. As we see in Luke chapter 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was blessed among women. It was the Lord who had blessed her and favored her. Don't miss that. It was the Lord who had blessed her and favored her. While material blessings are certainly included in God's favor, the Bible ascribes a much fuller meaning to the word blessed. Perhaps the most well-known use of the word blessed in the Bible is found in the Beatitudes, where we say blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. Jesus used the term blessed in the framework of the Beatitudes to describe the inner quality of a, of a faithful servant of God. This blessedness is a spiritual state of well-being and prosperity, a deep joy-filled contentment that cannot be shaken by poverty, grief, famine, persecution, war, or any, any other trial or tragedy we face in life. In human terms, the situations depicted in the Beatitudes are far from blessings, if you think about it. In the Beatitudes, every situation there is far from perfect for the person that is living it out. But because God is present with us through these difficult times, we're actually blessed by Him and in Him in these situations. So, so from that, I, I'd simply say this, that I am blessed in who I am. And the reason I can say I am blessed in who I am is that, number one, God created me. But not, not only did God create me, God saved me. And because God saved me, I'm blessed. And if you're saved today, you're blessed. And you're not just blessed for a moment, you're blessed for eternity. In other words, you, you are blessed for eternity because of who you are or if, if you are in Christ Jesus. I, I'm blessed in where I am. I believe that God has me here for this time in my life. I don't know what God's full plan for my life is. I don't know how long I'll live. But while I'm here and I know that God has me here, I'm blessed because I'm here. To be in God's will is to be blessed. And if you're here not by accident, and I don't believe you are here by accident today, that you are blessed to be where you are. I'm blessed in who I know. I'm blessed to know each of you. I'm blessed to know the people that I have met even beyond the people within this body of Christ. I'm blessed to, to know the people that, that we met with earlier in the first service. I'm blessed in that. I'm blessed for eternity because I know them and I will not uh, ever not know them. Okay? But sometimes life separates us. Sometimes life, it, it separates us. You and I know that when someone passes, that we have not lost the conscious uh, ability to know, have known them, but we can't, we can't send them a birthday card. We can't go give them a hug. So, so there are things in this life, and there's a reason for this. There are things in this life, people in this life, that are, that, are, that are eternal, things, some things are temporary. My being here is a temporary thing. It's not going to last forever. Me being saved, knowing that my life is in Christ, eternal. And I'm blessed with both of them. I'm blessed to know you, but my knowing you can be affected by the fact that somebody could pass away. And my uh, ability to know you, my, my knowing you can be different. I'm blessed in where I'm going. If you're a Christian today, you're a child of God, you're blessed in where you're going. I'm going home one day. I'm going to heaven one day. Nothing's going to change that. That is eternal. And I'm blessed right now. In other words, I am favored. I, I, am, I am encouraged. I am joyous. And I'll even go so far, and y'all know I don't like throwing the word happy out there a lot, but I'm happy in the fact that I'm going home one day. And that's eternal. That don't change. Look at, look at verses 21 and 22. He says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Do you know, knowing and obeying God's word is one of the most basic tenets of the faith. Do you know that? Knowing and obeying God's word is one of the most basic tenets of the faith. You, you, 
And I believe we'll, we'll learn that it's often in what seems to be the most basic things that come the greatest blessings. So often we'll, we'll, we'll look though, we'll, we'll, we'll search for things. It's like, I, I want something greater. I want something bigger. I want something, I want this gift or that gift in, in the spirit. But yet we'll overlook some of the most basic things. And some of the most basic things are some of the most blessed things. Just simply being here today is a blessing. You know, being able to love on somebody. I mean, Paul even spoke to them about this in Corinthians, did he not? You know, they were striving, seeking for all these different gifts. And Paul says, if you don't love, and I, and I don't mean that love's basic, but it's, it's, a, it's a baseline thing that we love the Lord and we love our neighbor as ourselves, We'll miss some of the greatest blessings in life. Sometimes we'll sit in our houses and, and all, and some people I know have sit in their houses, studied the Bible, studied the Bible, they never even walk across the street and share the gospel with their neighbor. Missing some of the greatest blessings in life. Did you know that it's impossible to obey what you don't know? It's impossible to obey what you don't know. You might stumble across or I might stumble across something and we may, we may seem to get something right, but it's kind of haphazardly. But to actually consciously obey something, you've got to know it first. Listen to the verses again, verse 21 22. He says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I want to show you a couple of places in the text here. In verse 22, we just read it. But you says... He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Then you go down to verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Then we go down to verse 24. He says, for he observes himself. And, and, and then we go to verse 25. He says, uh, in the middle of it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And, and we, just, we see all of these observation type words. In other words, he talks about us hearing, like just like this morning, unless you're asleep, and if you're asleep, wake up. But if this morning, I know that we've been robbed of an hour in our minds. Um, you know, I feel the same way. My phone, I looked at it about midnight last night, and it was like 12.15, and for a brief second, I was like, well, that wasn't so bad. But I forgot my phone does not actually change until about 2 o'clock, isn't it? You know, and when that reality hit me, my heart sunk. I said, oh, my gosh, it's, all, it's 1.15. So, but, but listen, being a hearer, receiving that knowledge, but listen to what he says, too, that for he observes himself. In other words, there is this observation. Don't just put it all toward hearing. Because sometimes we'll say that we are Christ to the world, right? That you are no, never more like Christ than when you serve somebody else. So sometimes when somebody is serving you as Christ served others and serves us, then we see the word of God being fleshed out in their lives and we are observing it. It's almost like we're hearing the word of God through the visual and the, the effects that it has on our lives. So there is this taking in this knowledge. There's this pulling in of this knowledge. And he says, don't just pull this knowledge in, but I do want to say that you at least have to get the knowledge. Because you'll never be able to obey what you don't know. You've got to know the word of God. James is surely in favor of himself and others hearing, receiving, and absorbing God's word. When the Jews returned from 70 years of captivity in Babylon, the first thought that they had on their minds was to be able to stay safe and being taken care of. And what did they do? They rebuilt the wall and they rebuilt the temple. The, the, the protection of the wall around the city was, was a paramount thought in their minds. But also the rebuilding of the temple so that they might worship the Lord. They had not been able to worship the Lord in the temple for 70 years. And it was one of the most important things to them that they might be able to hear the word of God and to serve the, word, serve the Lord through what he told them to do in the word. These were the important things for him. And, and even in Nehemiah, that we find that it's often used, even that formula there that's within the building of the walls and the building of the temple and the word of God being brought. 
It's used often to, to preach a formula for revival in our lives. And, and so I would even submit today that, that, that what we have in our text is, is almost in itself a formula to revive us to newness. So, in verse 21, 22, we find that we are to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And he says in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, there's a tie there between verse 22 and verse 26. He says, deceiving yourself in verse 22. Verse 26, he says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, does not bridle his own tongue, but deceives his own heart. There's a connection, I believe, between what, not just flippant words that we say, but there's a connection between what we profess out of our mouth that tells the story of our heart, whether it's deceived or not. And so uh, it's kind of like this. Um, when, when you have regular quality input of Scripture, I believe it is, it's possible to become satisfied with the fact that you've received the knowledge. In other words, sometimes we can just get regular input. You know, hey, I watch this preacher on TV. I, I listen on 106.9. Got any 106.9 light listeners in the house today? Yeah, you catch some preaching, you know, on, on there. Sometimes when the preaching is going on, some people are going, man, I wish they'd get back to the music. I'm tired of hearing this dude preach. I get it. I got you. Um, but we become satisfied with that, that we've just received some knowledge. It's like this. It's like eating a big meal, grabbing a toothpick and going to the recliner and reclining back. And about the best thing that you get out of it is a little belch. Y'all with me? At least I hope that's how it goes. But some of my children and grandchildren, being ladies, almost burp like men sometimes. But ain't none of y'all out there, is it? But it's almost, like you, you, it's almost like getting a big meal. You go, you relax back, and it's like, boy, that was good. But we don't do anything the rest of the day. Sometimes it's like that when we get God's Word. We get God's Word, whether it's through preaching at the church here, whether it's through you reading God's Word somehow, but you get God's Word, and about the best that God ever gets out of it is a proverbial Belch from being too full of God's word, but not using it. It's easy to disrupt God's work when you turn from what he shows us. It's easy to dis, dis, disrupt God's work when you turn from what he shows you. Verses 23 and 24. Look at them with me. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he equates him to being like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. And in that day and time, we talked about this a little bit wheezy, but in that day and time, they, all they had were metals that they would polish up. If you didn't have a whole lot of money, you could only afford certain kinds of metals, and they, they really wouldn't polish up that great. But if you had a little more money in your pockets, you could get maybe a silver or a gold mirror, and you'd polish it up, and it'd give a little better reflection. But it's nothing like the mirrors that we have today, but that they would observe in that mirror themselves. He says that if you are a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word, that that is what you're like, somebody who observes himself in that mirror he actually looks into, sees himself, but immediately goes away and forgets what he looked like. That word hearer is said that it can be used of those that are auditing a class. I remember it. I think it's still that same way today that a lot of uh, even universities, but when I went to Bible college, Christie could audit all the classes. Uh, because we were there together and living on campus and stuff. I, I could go to class, but she could audit the class. She could sit in. She could take, take in everything that was there. She could go to chapel. She could go to all these things. She didn't get a chance to uh, a whole lot. She did a little bit, but didn't get a chance to a whole lot. We had three, three children. 
and on part-time jobs and uh, watching kids. As a matter of fact, one of her jobs was at a daycare watching kids. One of them was ours in the daycare. But, um, but nevertheless, she could audit that class, but she wouldn't get a degree. And she wouldn't get a degree because she hadn't done all the requirements to get to the, the degree. Although she did get a degree, they gave her a, a, this, all the wives got a degree for, I forgot how they, they, in Latin they said it's called putting hubby through. That's kind of the, uh, she has that. She's been, I don't think, she's probably got a, a doctorate in that now because that's, that's probably like an associate. She's probably got a doctorate degree in that now. But, but it's said that it can be used of those who are auditing a class but are without the responsibility to do the outside class study, write the papers, take the test on the material. Do you get the picture that's painted there? That you and I, if we, we are not obedient to follow through and do what the Word of God has told us to do, then what are we like? We're like somebody who looks at himself in the mirror, forgets what he looks like. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I see things even in the mirror, in the natural man, that I don't want to face. I don't want to deal with it because I don't like what I see. You, you with me? I, I don't like what I see sometimes. Sometimes I, I, I see imperfections, potential things that will come down the road. I, I see uh, a weariness sometimes in my eyes from being tired. I, 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 won't, I won't go too far, but sometimes we see bags under our eyes, right? Sometimes we see discoloration under our eyes. We see wrinkles coming, the fact that we're getting older. We see those things, but we don't necessarily want to deal with those things and we try to forget them. We try to put them over to the side. He says that that's what we're like with the Word of God because the Word of God is trying to conform us into the image of Christ. And so when we hear these things, sometimes it's just, if, if I could just get out of the door of church, if I could just get out of this Bible study, if I can just close this book, if I can just turn my phone to another app where I've been reading, maybe just maybe I can get away from it. I don't know if you've ever tried to escape conviction. Maybe God's trying to transform you. Maybe God wants you to change something in your life. Maybe living arrangements. Maybe habits that you have. Maybe thoughts that you think. Maybe, maybe some things that maybe have a hold of us. And we, we don't want to let go of those things. But we see in the word of God where he tells us that we should not be doing these things. Should not have these things be in a hold of our lives. But yet what do we do? If we can just get, a, get away from it for a moment, it's almost as if we dull our conscience again. It's God searing us, but if we could just get away from it, maybe get around some other influence. You, you notice the very first thing he said to us in verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. I'd encourage you to take and Google that word from that verse Maybe get you a concordance out somewhere or find all the stuff's online. You can look it up. That word, wickedness, it's a pretty strong word. I won't even go into it. it it's, it's beyond PG-13. Let's put it that way. And so if, if we get, the, get this wickedness out of our lives and with meekness receive the implanted word, it's able to save our souls. Don't be doers of the word, uh, word, I mean, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's easy to disrupt God's work when you turn from what he shows you. So when God shows you something, make sure that you follow through with, with, with obedience to his word. Blessed, being blessed in what you do. Did you know it's possible to obey with liberty the law that once condemned us? Before Christ, if you are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who love God or called in according to his purpose. Looking for his blessed appearance. You know, those, those folks. 
That, that there is now no condemnation. And I know there's not. That's why I am blessed in knowing who I am. I am in Christ Jesus. I know that when God looks at me, he does not see the tarnished me. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why he accepts me. It's not by my own righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But while I live on this earth, there, I live out this, this, this life and, and, and it seems like sometimes that, that the, the weight of the law seems to press on me. And it seems like sometimes even religious activities sometimes will, will, will begin to creep in in my life. And that's what was going on actually in Galatians where we were reading this past week. In Galatians, Paul said, have you so quickly went away from the faith that I, that I, that I shared with you that you believed and you were walking in? And they, they had gone back to some traditional ways of Judaism and so it was weighing them down that, that the liberty in Christ was being robbed from them and that, that, that he wants us to live in the perfect law of liberty. Well, listen to what he says, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So he says that, that it's possible... If we obey that with, with liberty, uh, we obey with liberty the law that once condemned us, that we'd be blessed. That in Christ Jesus, as we walk along, we know that we are free in Christ. I want you to hear that. That we are. There's no more condemnation. The war's over. I mean, that's what was going on. There was a there was a war. We would we were at enmity with God. That means we were at war with God. Or better better yet, God was at war with us. He's at war with us, and in Christ Jesus, the war is ended in Christ because when we are in Christ Jesus, He has now imputed to us His righteousness. We know these things, but it's good to hear them again. He's imputed to us His righteousness. And now when God looks at us, on our account, there is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. So He accepts us in the Beloved because of Christ Jesus. But now here on this earth as we're walking this, out, walking this and working this out. Now you and I have the ability to take his word and, and, and we, we, we get to walk in the liberty of his word. I don't know any greater illustration than the illustration I've used probably a hundred times in here. The, the, the little bird cage in the house, the woman feeds the bird. Forgets to latch the door. There's a cat in the house. The lady leaves to go to the grocery store. While she's gone, the bird gets out of the cage. She comes home from the grocery store. There's feathers everywhere. The little bird is about half skint. He's sitting up on top of the cabinets, shivering. The cat is on the floor. Just looking at the bird, waiting on the bird to make one foolish move. The woman walks in, realizes what's going on, sticks her hand up there. The little bird jumps on her finger. She takes the bird and lets the bird get back in the cage. She latches the door of the cage. The bird that wanted to be free because it felt like it had been held in captivity in that cage was never so glad to get back into the cage. Because in the cage, there was actually the greatest liberty that the bird ever had. The bird could fly anywhere the bird wanted to in the cage and never had to worry about the cat. And you and I, sometimes we want out of the cage because there must be something out there that's better than what's in the cage. You know, go back to something I shared at Angie Kirk's funeral. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Jesus talks to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He is one of the most dedicated men in all of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses the Pharisees as an example to explain that you and I can't be righteous enough to earn our salvation. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll in no way enter the kingdom of God. He's not saying that all you got to do is outdo the Pharisees in righteousness. That's not what he's saying. The Pharisees, you couldn't outdo them in righteousness because their whole life was dedicated. If any human being on the face of this planet that tried to live in their own righteousness could make it, it would be the scribes or the Pharisees. And so when the Pharisee comes to Jesus by night, it's not just anybody, the ruler of the Jews. He comes and he says to Jesus, 
Master, we know that you must be a teacher come from God because nobody can do what you're doing unless God is with them. And Jesus, knowing his heart, did not say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to rededicate yourself. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. In other words, Nicodemus, you know it must be reborn. Now, here's, what, here's my point in that. When we are born again, we have nothing to dedicate to God in order for us to be saved. You with me? If I had something that I could dedicate to God and I could say, God, I want you to save me upon this. But I have nothing that I can bring. As a matter of fact, uh, we often say sometimes that, that I have nothing to bring simply to the cross I cling. And so as a child of God, coming as we come to him to be born again, we have nothing to give. But Christ has given everything. And now in Christ we have all things. So that when we come back, and this is my whole point, when we come back around the circle, living the Christian life, so often we'll say, I'm going to rededicate my life. Any of y'all ever heard that statement before? I'm rededicating my life to the Lord. Nowhere, 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 nowhere in this book does it say to rededicate your life. I want you to hear me. Nowhere. You find in this book where we're supposed to rededicate our life, and that is how we maintain our Christian life. Please show it to me, because I promise you, you ain't going to find it. But you can look. And if it makes you feel better, look on. But nowhere, not nowhere, because first off, I had nothing to dedicate to begin with, so what am I supposed to rededicate? God, I'll give my life back to you. Before you ever got saved, your life already belonged to him. Huh? He is God not only of the saved, but he's God of the lost too. He's God of the birds, the trees, the flowers, the bees. He's God of it all. He'll be God of the ashes when he burns this thing up. Amen? He's God over it all. So what do we do? Well, the Bible's very clear. You need to repent. That's what you do. But see, we don't want to hear that word. Herb Revis said we've turned the rededication altar into a Catholic confessional booth. To where we just want to come and we want to get our sins absolved in, in, with a man. In other words, we want to get our own hearts free from the burden. But see, the Bible says when he convicts us of our sin, if we'll confess our sin, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to bring that around into a practical world because you see, I don't have to be clean cleansed of my unrighteousness in God's eyes to be saved nor to keep me saved. Why? It's settled. I am in Christ Jesus. So what is he doing? Come to him, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Could it possibly be that he's working that work in our life every day? In other words, I want you to come away from the filthiness. I want you to wash yourself with the word so that you might be cleansed, right? And so often we'll come and, oh God, I've, I've messed up again. Please save me again. Please do this again. When the truth of the matter is, he just wants us to be obedient to his word so that we are more like Christ each and every day. My salvation is settled full and free in Christ Jesus. For even when I was a sinner, the Bible says, Christ did what? died for me. Now, it's possible to obey with liberty the law that once condemned us. This law once overloaded us, once condemned us. But now you and I, as a matter of fact, John 8, 31, 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Listen, and you shall know the truth. Come on, church. And the what? Truth will set you free. Amen? That you and I have a responsibility to know the truth. Salvation, boom, done. Now, what's the responsibility? To know the word, because if we, if we follow after him, claim to be his, he said that you are to obey his commands. That we're to do what he says do. You won't know how to do it unless you hear it, and you won't do it unless you follow through in it. You do it. And then what happens? 
The Bible says we're blessed. I want to I throw a couple things out at you. I think, yeah, I've got time. Nehemiah. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> it's kind of funny about the time thing. Uh, you'll see it in a second. But Nehemiah chapter 8. I want to read a few verses out of chapter 8 for you. Those Jews that I was talking about earlier that come back from Babylon, captivity, 70 years, right? While they were in there for 70 years, a lot of people died. While they were in there for 70 years, a lot of things culturally started changing with them. They, they began to speak the language of the Chaldees. They, they began to, uh, to, to do things. that They learned new cultures and new, new things. So when they come back, there ain't a lot of people that know the way. There ain't a whole lot of people that know the language even of the Hebrew people from the day that they went into captivity. Listen to what it says here. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in an open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could uh, hear. Listen, all who could hear and understand. I'm going to read that one more time. All who could hear and understand. And that's why we say sometimes, let those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. And I don't know about you, but I love the Word of God. Man, when I hear the preaching of the Word of God, it just excites me. I, I don't know. All I got to hear is the truth. You ain't got to put no big show up on me in front of me. Just give me some word. Give me some truth and, and, and put it together. Uh, give, me, give, me a, give me a little road map. Give me a little path where we're going. And man, I am jacked up. I am ready. I mean, I, I, why? Because I can hear. There was a time in my life I couldn't hear. And now I can see. Once in my life I was blind, but now, now I see it. And even then, could hear with understanding on the first day, seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square. That was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. We can't hardly make it through our service, but they listened to it from morning to midday. I guess it just depends on how hungry you are. I'm going to just pause there for a moment. I guess it just depends on how hungry you are. They were 70 years hungry. You know, and I, let me just say this, oh God, that we would have a spirit of being 70 years hungry every day. Even in my own life, that God would impart within me a hunger for the word of God that was as hungry as they were when they come out of captivity. Before the men and women and those who could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And verse 5 says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. They built a platform just for that purpose. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. I, I remember Reverend James Blackwelder, Stephen Green Memorial Baptist Church, where I grew up as a kid from, from, from the nursery to, to the youth department. Ended up going back there and serving for a couple years as a youth pastor there before I came to North Carolina. But, but for 28 years, I think it was, every single Sunday morning, he stood up and before, when he got ready to read God's Word. First thing he said when he stood up, and as Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, and everybody in the church would just stand up because they knew what was coming. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen and Amen. While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, and all the people stood there in their place. So, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And you, you get the point. They had to help them along. Why? Because they hadn't heard it in so long. They had to help them along because they hadn't heard that language in so long. Some of them didn't hardly even understand. And I think why they read at the beginning to those who had understanding, they got those people, because it says that they, they give their names and then the Levites and all, they also helped everybody interpret. They interpreted it for them so that, so that they could understand what was being told to them. And, and let, me just, let me just throw this in there just, just for a brief moment. Now, I'm not pointing at any one particular person. I'm just pointing at us as a whole in Christianity. 
if we allow the foundational principles of our kids' lives to be taught by the world, we're fools. We're fools. The world doesn't need to teach our children about sex ed. God's already taught it. He says, keep your buttons buttoned till you got a ring on your finger. Is that clear enough? Right? Did I? No. Was I in God's will? No. If we leave this teaching, this foundation, these foundational principles up to the world to teach them what they should believe, how they should think, and how they should do these particular things. The Bible says that for us to train up a child in the way that they should go, and what does it say? When they're older, they will what? Not depart from it. They're going through a rebuilding process even here in the hearts and the lives of the people with the Word of God. And let me just say this. The church, yes, does have a responsibility in trying to help train your children up. But I want you to understand something. We are not the front line. You are the front line. It's the responsibility. Why do you think that the enemy wants to destroy homes? The reason the enemy wants to destroy homes, you destroy a home, you destroy society. You destroy a home, you destroy the church house. You, you, you destroy a, a home, you destroy the future lives of those children. You want to talk, talk about taking hope away from somebody? Everybody's talking about reparations because they want hope so they can be whatever they want to be. All these things need to be brought back up under the Judeo-Christian principles that we were founded upon. And you and I in this book, and, and understand this, America didn't found the Bible. The Bible founded America. And the Bible's the core piece, the centerpiece. In order to be the centerpiece of our homes... We live in a world today where people have been given a right. And I don't know where I'm going. I, I just things that are on my heart. We're, we're going. We live in a world today where our children and young people and even ourselves have been given a right to get on all these social media sites. And to share our thoughts and our opinions with everybody. And nobody has a right to contradict them. But you know what we're doing? We're raising spoiled brats. We're raising brats that you can't contradict. You try to tell them something, they think that they have a right because they have been given this privilege. So they're not under the tutelage of anybody other than people that they pick and choose themselves. But they think they're greater than somebody else because they have the right to use their voice. Whereas in my house that I grew up in, I say my house, my daddy's house that I grew up in, when I wanted to share my opinion that went contrary to the way that the house was going, my daddy gave me a quick checkup. Son, you better shut your mouth before I get my belt off. When I backtalked my mama, guess what happened? When I got up off the floor. Amen? My opinion was something I had to earn the right to be able to share. My, there were guidelines and there were rules. And what was that? You say that was tyranny. That was abuse. No, that was setting me up to respect my elders. That was setting me up to respect the Lord thy God that made the heavens and the earth. And that respect seems to be gone. Everybody thinks that they've got a right. And let me just say something here. Everybody ain't earned the right to speak. Everybody ain't earned the right to speak. And there is an order in which things are to be done. Uh, all that's free. <laughs> this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn, verse 9, or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And I love the picture of grace that Nehemiah, Ezra shares here. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom there is uh, nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Th that's almost as if what James is trying to say. Don't just look, don't just listen to the word of God. Do the word of God. And if you'll do the word of God, look into the perfect law of liberty. You will be blessed. In other words, you will have joy and peace. Now, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29. I just want you to catch it because he uses the actual words. These joined with their brethren 
They're nobles. And this is what comes out of stuff we were just reading. To walk in God's law. Did you hear that? They entered in, into a, a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe, listen, to observe, we, we run into that word, right? That, that's our senses, that we, we observe and to do, and there's that word do, all the commandments of the Lord our God and His ordinances and His statutes. So even in the Old Testament, even in the day of Nehemiah, they're teaching them that you are to hear the Word of God and then respond to the Word of God with an action that we are to follow the Word of God. The resolve out of hearing the Word of God was to do or to obey. Um, did, you, did you know that I believe for the Christian God's Word brings out the best in you? <laughs> it can't help but do that because the Spirit bears witness, right? And here's the last thing I want you to catch out of our text. And, it, and this one's real simple. It's kind of obviously stated, but I, I want to just bring it around this way. It, it's promised to us that those who do what they hear will be blessed. We oftentimes want to talk about the promises of God. <laughs> But I don't know any of the promises that God has in the natural world. In other words, am I promised eternity? Yes, in Christ Jesus. I don't have to do anything for that. But here on this earth, to be blessed, He gives the prescription. And there is a response that you and I have to come with. And so, look at verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and you got to understand, I want you to help, help you, because when he says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, when you, when you study out the language there, it's like it is an intense looking into. Those mirrors that they had that he's using as an illustration, you, you had to get at a perfect angle because they were just polished metal. And you had to get things just right. And it literally means that you get down close and you look into the perfect law of liberty. What am I trying to say? He, he wants us to dig in God's Word. He, he, he don't not just glance over it. He, he wants us, even what we hear, we hear things and, and we need to be careful because the text is saying we'll hear them and it's almost like they skip off of us. But do you take some of them when it hits you in the heart, when it, when it, when it really rings true, do you go home with it? Do you labor with it night and day, looking into it? And, you know, and I, I mean, you ought to. Even the things that I tell you, if they strike you, and sometimes we don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't. And where does he get off? Because, man, that's in the old, that's, that's, that's it back in them days, that's not now. I just want to encourage you. If something hits, go prove it wrong. Go prove it wrong. Get in there and prove it wrong. And if you can prove it wrong, then walk in it. If I've told you something wrong out of this book and you dig in there, you ain't got, hey, you ain't, you're not obedient to me to begin with. You're obedient to him. I'm just the messenger. I didn't write the message. It's his. It's his. You got a problem, go talk to the author of the book. He's the one you're going to answer to, not me. I, 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 can't, I can't absolve your sins. Only he can. I, I, I can't give you liberty. Only he can. All the liberty that I could ever give anybody is temporary stuff. You know? Just, just temporary things. We can be happy for a moment. Or we can be joyful for all eternity. So now, he says, I want you to hear, hear what he says even after that. That... This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is re religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own faith, this one's re religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Luke 12, 35-37 says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. 
And you yourselves, Jesus teaching a, a parable here, you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he who girds himself, uh, he, I'm sorry, surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down and eat and will come and serve them if they're ready. And, and, and I, I think I'm good. Let, let me, let me um, well, for time's sake, I, I'm just going to go ahead and close. My grandson Sawyer, four years old, going on 25, like everybody's. He, got, he, he figured some things out real quick. I'll be getting ready to go somewhere, and if he's at the house, he say, Pops, can I go with you? I'm like, yeah, but we're not going to buy nothing now. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I know. So we get to the store. Hey, Pops, can we go look at the toys? I said, sorry, we're not buying no toys. I know. I just want to look. I just want to look. <laughs> then I just want to touch, you know. And, and I will say this. I'm going to go crack on him. If, if you tell him he can't, he might hang his head down and walk over his lip. But he'll, we'll get out the store without buying it and without hollering and crying and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and let me just say, gosh, I don't know. There's a reason for this. Maybe somebody online, maybe somebody here. There's a reason he don't fall around and roll in the floor and cry and whine. Y'all know why that is? The consequences of it. You're exactly right. His mom and dad is, and, and, and grandparents have got consequences that come. So I thought about that thing a little bit. And I said, I tell you what, Sawyer, I'll make a deal with you. Here's the deal. You're over at Nana's on Tuesdays, Thursdays, every other Friday, and then the other times you come over to Nana's, you're there. If you will clean your toys up without Nana having to beg you and, and all the way down to whipping and crying and all this other stuff to get your toys cleaned up, if you'll clean them up on your own, I'll give you $10 every, every four weeks. Every four weeks you do that, I'll give you $10. First week, on the first four weeks, I had to kind of coax him along. I said, remember now, come on. And we helped him. You know what I'm saying? We helped him clean up and stuff. But now after he went to the store the first time, because I, I, he didn't have to ask then. I said, hey, Saul, guess what? Four weeks, buddy. Come on, let's go. I said, you got $10 right here. It's yours, man. Go spend it. High. You spend it on, you know, whatever toys you want. Can't go very far <laughs> on $10. But we went to the store. He bought something that was $8 and some change. He put that dollar and that little bit of change in his pocket, took it home with him. And I told him, I said, now, if you hold on to that, the next time you'll have $11 and some change. And I said, whatever you want to do. But let me tell you something. When he, he cleans his toys up, matter of fact, he, the, this last time he said, hey, Pops, sis cleaned up too. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I didn't make no arrangement with sis. <laughs> I, did, I didn't make no, no deal with sis, but somehow sis ended up getting $10 too. <laughs> but, but, but I'm going to tell you what, man, it brings joy to my heart to hand him that $10. I mean, it does. It brings so much joy to my heart. I wonder how much joy it brings the Father to bless us. You know, when we're obedient. I wonder how, how much joy does it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it ain't about the, the money. It's about the obedience. And God, he says that he don't, he's not interested in sacrifices. He's interested in obedience. The Lord doesn't require sacrifices of all these things. He just wants us to be obedient. And you know what? He promises he'll bless us. Guaranteed. And so I want you to stand with me for just a moment, if you would. And uh, we'll... Uh
right where you're at, this, I'm gonna, I feel led to end about the same way as it as did uh, a little earlier. My greatest desire for my life and for yours would be that we would just be obedient to the Word of God, be faithful to follow through with what, we, what we've learned, and that we would be blessed. Y'all, any of y'all ever blessed somebody before? Yeah, I, I have a story. I didn't share it in the first service. They, they were here. Ben O'Brien uh, called me yesterday just praising God. Um, gosh, what, what's the young man that was in the car accident there by Grandpa's? That's, uh, huh? Clay, Barber. Well, Ben has just felt God leading him to help people in situations like that because of Brock's situation. And they started working, doing therapy with Clay. And Ben called me and he said that, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Thor, do you remember when he stood up? It was yesterday. Yesterday. He called me yesterday. They had, a, they had everything kind of set up and all. But it's, he stood and stood there and held himself on his own after they got him up and stuff. And this is, one of, this is like tremendous progress and all. And, and here's what I want you to hear. Ben blessed them. You with me? And it was because he was being obedient to what God had convicted his heart to do. You and I need to be obedient. And not only will we be blessed, but others will be blessed because of our obedience. And, and so my prayer is that we would just see a move of God among us. Not something that so people are looking at us as some showy something or another, but, but that they'd see the hand of God moving on people's lives because they're being obedient to the Scriptures and that God is moving in our lives and moving in other people's lives and they just see this massive move of the love of God spreading out from us. So that's my prayer for you. So in that, I challenge you, are you getting the Word of God more than just on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Are you in the Word of God? And if you are, are you obeying it? Do you have things you need to change in your life right now? Because sometimes we'll go, man, I just don't know if God's working in my life. Could it possibly be because you ain't being obedient? Could it possibly be that maybe you need to change some things in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt you shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be saying, shouldn't be just whatever. So that's my prayer for you. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would meet with me after this service. Please come to me. I'd love to tell you how Christ died for you. How, how, how he was buried, rose again, and how he has the victory of your salvation. The sting of death is removed, and how you can spend eternity with him in heaven. I'd love to tell you about that. But I really feel impressed this morning just to pray for us that God would use us. So let's pray. Father, today, your amazing grace is so, so, it's so great. Your word, gosh, your word, it truly is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Those that walk in your way are blessed. They're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth fruit in this season. Leaves shall not wither. Whatsoever they put their hands to shall prosper. Father, I, I pray that you, you would draw us to a place to where if there are things in our lives that we need to repent of, to, to literally repent of. Not ask you to take a rededication gift from us, God. We don't have anything to give you that's worth the weight of what we're talking about. Christ paid it all. And all to him we owe. And so, Father, I praise you today, God, that we in, can come to you and we can be set free from the bondage of, of sin and shame with their addictions, um, 
just encumbrances that we have in our lives, things that we have going on. We don't know how we can get out of a situation because we're so deep in it. But God, you'll make a way if we'll come to you. I know you will. Maybe some folks need to just get set free from the bondage of some addiction. Maybe some, some situation. May you change us today for an eternal purpose. For your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at life at crc.com.